G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we're talking some more tiers, rankings for different positions, talking shooting guards. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys NBA and on Instagram at Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball. Today's podcast, we're continuing part two of the positional tiers and rankings um, uh, podcast series. Uh, if you haven't already, check out our point guard tiers, which would have dropped yesterday. Um, so check that one out. I'll leave a link in the description and a little link up the top of this video so you guys can check that one out. But sort of like I mentioned, quick recap from the start of the last podcast, the positions in these kind of ones are a little bit, little bit muddled around. So some of them who might be you would expect to be in the shooting guards, might be in the point guards. Some of the ones that might have been, could have been point guards will be here. Same with the sh- small forwards, so on and so forth. So we'll be covering every player, but they just might be in different, different um, uh, tiers and, and positional rankings videos. But um, we'll sort of discuss each player as we go along. If you want the full rankings list, what I think about every single player and why, and all the stats of, of, of why I'm researching everything, combining all of these tiers and rankings, please go and check out uh, ballboysmba.com. Um, it is our season guide you can get for just 10 bucks. That will cover you for the entire season, give you access to my, my rankings in the season guide, but also exclusive Q&A podcasts and uh, articles that I'll be dropping throughout the preseason and into the regular season as well. So check that one out there. Link is down in the description or just head over to ballboysmba.com. All right, let's uh, let's get stuck into it. We'll go through the shooting guard tiers um, again. More important, what tier they're in. I am ranking them in my preference, but with depending them, especially the further we get into these lists, uh, depending on your punt build, uh, what you're looking for stat wise, these rankings can be moved around a little bit. But the tiers are probably the most important thing for this list here. So, shooting guards, tier number one, one player. I've got James Harden in there. Of the shooting guards, I think he's the only first-round guy in this list. Um, I think he's a middle-of-the-first-round player. Uh, I know that um, uh, when we did the mock yesterday, um, I think it was Adam took him at pick three or four. I think that might be a little bit high. I think Josh seems to be a bit more okay with it. I think I see him more in like that 7-8 kind of zone. Is that sort of where I'm thinking? I'd, I'd be happy to take him over players like, um, you know, around that Steph Curry kind of range, LaMelo Ball, Tatum kind of range, um, depending on your thoughts on Luka, thereabouts. But I've got a pretty set top four at this stage. So after pick five, he comes into calculations for me. But there are a few guys I do prefer. We do have a little bit of a concern with um, some soft tissue injuries, hamstrings in particular, that have been creeping into his game. He has seen a big drop-off to his points per game compared to what he was doing um, in Brooklyn and in Houston previous to that. So 
Last year, he was ranked 12 for the season. The second half of the year, once he went over to Philadelphia, he was the 17th ranked player, so we do need to make that distinction. But again, if you punt the field goal percentage um, and you, you take the turnovers with a grain of salt, he was the 5th ranked player of the second half of the season. So still... Someone who's a very solid contributor, elite in assists, um, great rebounder for a point guard, good threes, excellent free throw percentage. Uh, the points will still be, you know, 21, 22 points per game, which is still good. Um, maybe someone you consider punting points um, with in a normal kind of draft, because again, compared to some of these other guys that are all scoring 30 or, or high 20s, he's a little bit off that. So perhaps he's someone you look to punt points, but you don't have to if you get like a, a Devin Booker on the, the way round or a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George, one of those guys that, that are a great point scorer, you can make that up. So it gives you flexibility, but definitely someone who, you know, the turnovers, um, like Luca, who we discussed yesterday, is one of the biggest negatives in fantasy basketball, as well as his field goal percentage, which is a huge negative as well. So those two categories will greatly change his ranking. Um, but yeah, still someone who definitely should be a first round player in my opinion. So I've got him as the middle of the first round kind of guy. Um, tier two, couple of different players here. Um, we've got Kawhi Leonard and Devin Booker. Now, Kawhi, you could say small forward, but then Paul George, and then what happens with their starting lineup? Their lineup's all over the place. So I put him in here in the, <coughs> excuse me, put him here in the shooting guards tier because that's where I think he'll most likely line up. So Kawhi Leonard, I think he's a second-round guy. Per game, he's going to be a first-round player. Um, he's going to miss 15 games. We know that because I, oh, I'm i pretty sure, I'm 95% sure he's going to be resting every back-to-back. Clippers have 15 back-to-backs this season, the highest of any team in the league, which is unfortunate. Um, I, I'm not a big believer in projecting injuries and, and sort of penciling in guys to miss X amount of games because historically they've missed that kind of time before. But with Kawhi, there is that kind of ceiling that we have for him, which does move him down a fair way on my board. So I would take someone like an Anthony Davis or a Paul George over him because just because I know that Kawhi is going to miss at least 15 games, whereas there's a bit of upside with some of those other guys that, you know, they were injury prone, but this year they might not be. Do you know what I mean? Like we've had players like that in the past with like a Brook Lopez, who was a super injury prone guy. And then all of a sudden, he's turned into a bit of an Iron Man since then. So it does happen from time to time. So there's always that upside with those players. Where with the Kawhi, I don't know that upside's there. He's going to be limited to 67, or sorry, yeah, 67 games at its absolute maximum. And he's going to probably miss a few more games. So he's probably going to be a below average in games played guy. And in the playoffs, um, depending on your schedule of your playoffs, he might be higher or lower than this. But. I do still think that he's someone who shouldn't get past the second round. In Yahoo, he's ranked in the 30s, which I think is ridiculous. Uh, I wouldn't let him escape the second round if I were drafting in that draft. Um, Devin Booker is, again, someone who I've taken in a mock recently. I think he's a second-round guy. He's a very safe second-round guy. I don't think he has much upside to get any better than this. Um, so different to Kawhi. Kawhi could be higher. Um, but Devin Booker, you're not expecting first-round value, but you, you're just expecting a real solid, safe second-round guy. Give you awesome points. Give you awesome free-throw percentage. Some decent assists and threes. Um, you know, the, the steals have gotten a little bit better. Uh, the field goal percentage is good for a guard. So um, he's someone who's really solid there, and especially with the high point scoring early in the draft, I do think that he gets a bit of a boost. So uh, like me some D-book in the second round. 
Moving on to tier three, my fourth, fifth, and sixth ranked guys here. I've got DeJounte Murray, Shea, Gildas Ale- Shea Gildress Alexander, uh, SGA, and uh, at six, I've got Anthony Edwards. So DeJounte Murray, a couple of contentious picks here around. So this is sort of like the end of the second, start of the third, like that kind of on the turn at the end of the second round, start of the third is where I think these guys should go. DeJounte Murray, I think, fits really nicely in that kind of area. He was a first-round player last year. Excellent in steals, excellent in rebounds and assists. Um, huge boost to those categories. He saw his scoring increase. He's actually not... His assist-turnover ratio is really good, so his turnovers don't kill you. Um, the blocks aren't there. Um, the threes are lower than you'd like, but he still gives you a you know over a three-and-a-half per game. So he's quite versatile. Uh, percentages are nice. Now, moving over to Atlanta, when he's going to be sharing the backcourt with Trey Young, I think that he's going to suffer a little bit. I think Trey Young's going to be the guy that they feature more. But I do think that DeJounte will still get his. Uh, A lot of people sort of think that they should be comparing DeJounte to what he was before DeMar DeRozan left. And I think that that's a bit of a disservice to what we saw from DeJounte Murray last year. I actually think that he just got... he, He just got legitimately a lot better last year combined with the opportunity of the fact that DeMar was no longer there. So I don't think you just pencil in what he did in um, San Antonio before last season. I think he's going to be better than that, but he's not going to be as good as he was last season. So it's somewhere in the middle. And for me, that's around that end of the second, start of the third round. Um, And, you know, he falls in really nicely with a punt uh, threes build with someone like a Jokic uh, or someone like a Giannis. I think he fits really nicely, or even an Embiid. Those guys who I have in my top three or four players, uh, I think DeJounte Murray fits really nicely in there. So that's the kind of spot that I would want to be taking uh, DeJounte there. So similar story with Shea. Very similar build, to be honest. Maybe not quite the elite assists. Um, maybe uh, he's got a little bit better in terms of f- uh, free throw percentage. Um, he was really good at the end of the last season. He was someone who basically put up first-round value in the fantasy playoffs last season. A lot of people will be nervous about him and the potential shutdown risk with OKC now that Chet is injured. It does concern me a little bit more than when Chet was healthy. I was of the opinion that with Chet healthy, they'd want to get as many reps into their young guys as possible. Um, together, that their young trio with he, Giddy, and Chet. But now Chet's not there. It's a little bit more likely that we see him shut down, that, that the Thunder won't do as well, in my opinion. But in saying that, last year, even when they shut him down, in quotes, Marks, um, it wasn't really until April that, that that happened. So he is someone that you do need to be aware of when your playoffs are being held. In my opinion, the playoffs should be finishing at the very latest, at the end of March, if not sort of mid to late March. And in that situation, I'd be happy to take him in my second or third round, depending on my build. I took him at the start of a third round in a 14-team league, um, the mock draft that we just did before with Josh Lloyd. Um, I took him in that spot there in a punt uh, threes build um, to pair with a Jokic. So I think that's a really, really nice spot to have him. He, um, yeah, One of his biggest weaknesses is the three-point um, goal, but again, in in the last half of the year, he was the 11th ranked player, 6th in a punt, 3's build, so he's someone who's got a really, really high upside, 
it wouldn't shock me if he's a top 15 guy at the end of the season on a per-game basis. So I do think that there is a little bit of value if he falls because people are worried about the shutdown narrative. But just be aware of when your playoffs are because in April... It, it is likely he's going to be shut down, but I, I just don't think you should be playing in April anyway because a lot of players are shut down at that time of the year. So, um, And then the other one here, Anthony Edwards. This guy I've noticed getting a lot of hype in both the mocks that I've done so far. He's gone in the second round. He's going top 20 in the mocks that I've done. A lot of people are going to be very excited for him. I'm excited for him too, but I don't know if I'm that excited. I think he's definitely a third-round guy for me. If we look at what he did last year, he was the 44th-ranked player... His worst category is the, the field goal percentage, although he's pretty good across the board. So if you punted the field goal percentage, he was 31st. Um, I definitely do see him taking another step forward. I think he's going to be the leading scorer on the Timberwolves. I can see him approaching 25 points a, a night. I can see him getting, you know, your, your, your four rebounds, four or four to five assists. Um, the steals should be at a steal and a half per game. Um, the threes are really nice. The percentages are both a little bit poor. They might improve as well. So he does have scope to get into that second round and that top 20 mix. But again, I think you're drafting him at his absolute peak value if you're reaching for him there. It might pay off, but I think the upside is limited in that spot. And there are other guys that are a bit more proven I'd rather take. Um, But once you get into the third round... I'm very happy to take Anthony Edwards at the start of that round if you're looking for someone to give you a lot of threes and points and and good steals. Um, So I think that that's fine, but I wouldn't be getting carried away and drafting him over your Kawhis or over your Paul Georges and all those other guys that should be really solid second-round players. So um, just want to monitor in terms of the hype that he starts to get leading into drafts because early signs say that he is someone who's going to get maybe a bit overdrafted. Um, But we'll see. We'll see how he goes. Tier 4, this is where I've got at 7, Bradley Beal, and at 8, Donovan Mitchell. So uh, Bradley Beal obviously had a down year last year, had the wrist injury, um, was shut down after that, uh, only playing, what did he play, uh, 40 games last year. So it's still half a season, so it's a decent enough sample size. In those 40 games, he was the 68th ranked player in a punt block, um, punt build, he was 48. So he was bad. Um how much of that is the injury and the wrist? How much is it the fact that he's, you know, now, what is he, 30 years old or 29 years old? Uh, I mean, I guess he's not super old, but there's there's question marks about Bradley Beal that I don't know if we can just pencil him in to be the top 20 guy that he was the previous year where he was putting up nearly 30, or basically 30 points a game. Um, I don't know if we're going to see that. We didn't see him play with Kristaps Porzingis at all. So I really wouldn't be drafting... Um, Bradley Beal until like the pick 30, so end of the third round. Um, for me, I, I'm willing to give him a bit of a pass. So I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was last year, but I don't expect to see him reach the heights that he saw previous to that. Um, and I think we've seen the best of Bradley Beal come and go, um, but he still is someone that can obviously give you a lot of value in your points, in your assists, um, decent percentages as well. So... Um, just just keep that in mind. He's also not the best three-point shooter, and he often gets um, lumped into that good three-point shooting category as well, where he's not historically done uh, huge amounts there. Maybe he can get to two per game, but I'm not expecting three or over that, like some of these other guys, like an Anthony Edwards, um, will be able to give you. So, um, And then Donovan Mitchell, this is where he kind of falls for me after the trade. 
I think when he goes to Cleveland, he loses a bit of value. He was kind of the main offensive weapon there in um, Utah. Obviously, Gobert wasn't much of an offensive weapon. Then you've got Conley and Bogdanovich, who were kind of their other guys. So competing with Garland and Mobley instead, I think that cuts into his usage. They're kind of like their, their star players they're building around. Donovan should still be the number one guy, but it just takes a little bit of haircut off his off his value. The steals at one and a half per game were his career high, so that could come back a little bit. So there's just a few ways in which I see him regressing a little bit, and he was the 26th ranked player last season, so maybe sort of eight to 10 spots behind that is where I sort of think he should go. But if you're punting the blocks or you're punting the field goal percentage, he could be better than that, but I don't think you should be really looking to draft him again until after pick 30, in my opinion, which is about where I think I've seen him going since the trade. So those guys are there. Tier 5, I've got two players again, Terry Rozier and Zach Levine. Terry Rozier is, um, is again, one of my favorite sleeper picks. He was a sleeper pick of ours last season. Um, he was great. He was a top 30 guy. Um, he's someone who maybe is... I think Josh, in the in the podcast we did with the mock draft, sort of described him as a boring player, but he's a bloody good boring player because he's he's good at a lot of different categories. He's good at threes. He's good at points. He's um, great at assists. The steals are, are there as well. Um, the percentages are nice. Really low turnovers. Uh, so one of the best assist to turnover ratios in the league. Um, I don't see any room for regression. Maybe the shooting drops off a little bit, but then you could also argue that the minutes and the usage comes up with Miles Bridges no longer there. They don't really have a backup point guard in Charlotte, so it's really going to be him and LaMelo Ball main, like taking that point guard reign. So he's going to be the starting shooting guard and the backup point guard. So I think that his value is really, really safe. He was the 30th ranked player last year. In a punt blocks, he was a top 20 guy. So um, I even could have him a little bit low at this point here. You could even argue that he should be up with those Bradley Beals and, and Donovan Mitchells, but... You're just not going to get those popcorn stats, the high scoring that you do with those guys, which maybe just brings him down a little bit because maybe you can find the threes and assists that he gives you a little bit later. But he's still someone who's, I think on Yahoo, he's like the 55th ranked player. That's great value. I think he's a top 40 guy again. So um, really like me some Terry Rozier. Zach Levine is kind of the opposite case. He's someone who maybe gets a bit overvalued at some points. But again, his scoring is super valuable. His percentages are really nice, um, but doesn't have the steals, the blocks, um, the, the assists quite, aren't quite as high, but good threes. He's just um, he's just nice. He's just decent. I think he's a very safe fourth-round guy. He's not going to have much more upside than that, but I don't see him going further down. So really nice, safe guy in the 40s. I think he's fine to draft there. So, yeah, nothing wrong with Zach Levine. I think he'll stay, take a, a little half-mini step forward. Um, over DeMar DeRozan this season. Um, moving on to Tier 6, I've got one guy in this tier. Jalen Brown is my guy here. I think he's just maybe like a half step in front of the guys that I've got in the next tier. He's um, maybe elevated a little bit more because he scores a lot of points. Um, his ranking might not be the best because of his poor free throw percentage, lack of blocks. Um, he's not a super high assist guy either, so... But it's hard to find those points per game uh, that he does much later in the draft. He is decent with his, you know, he gets a steal. His field goal percentage is nice. The rebounds are pretty good for a shooting guard eligible player. You know, two and a half threes is pretty good. So 
he's he's pretty fine. Um, he does have that like kind of starish upside. He's a really good player. It wouldn't surprise me if he does come out and scores twenty five points a night. Maybe he his assists and steals rise. Um, maybe the field goal percentage and free throw percentage rise. There are avenues that I could see him improve, um, but. Unlike Tatum, we didn't see his second half numbers go up from last year when the Celtics made that big run. Um, so this is kind of where I have him around that fifty kind of mark, that fifth round sort of sort of guy. He's just really nice and safe. You, you can fit him on punt free throws or punt block teams or, or whatever the case. He's pretty versatile. Um, so yeah, he's, he's just a pretty solid guy who who I think fits around this spot here. Tier 7, we've got four different players here. You might see a few different guys that are, are ranked all over the shop in Yahoo now. Um, we've got at 12, Desmond Bain. At 13, CJ McCollum. At 14, Devin Vassell. And at 15, Jalen Green. So, Desmond Bain, threes. Um, good percentages, low turnovers. Steals are okay. Um, minutes could come up with De'Anthony Melton gone. He was the 37th ranked player last season. I think to like that's a bit of a fake top 40 guy because the turnovers were so low. Um, the percentages were extremely high. You, you can't really predict him to do that again. Um, but he is really nice. He is someone that, you know, maybe he could be in that Jalen Brown tier. But I just think that his biggest contributing factor is the threes. Um, you can find that a bit easier down later in drafts. The free throw percentage, even if that goes from 90% to 85, it's still really good, but it's a big hit to his value. Um, but he doesn't do anything else really, really well. So I'm just always a bit skeptical of these types of players. Um, similar kind of thing to what I said with Michael Porter Jr. last year. I just um, I prefer a bit more diversity into their stats or something that's at least, I think, a little bit more repeatable. Um, so Desmond Bain, I still like him. Outside the top 50, maybe getting close to 60 is where I'd sort of want to be taking him. Um, but I just think that there are other guys that kind of do what he does that I can get a bit later. Maybe not quite as well, but I think I can find what he does a bit later in the draft. So he's uh, in tier 7 here. CJ McCollum is an interesting one. Zion coming back hurts his usage. But one of the weirdest things that I, when I was doing a lot of my research for the, the season guide and my rankings was I didn't it didn't compute to me that CJ McCollum shot 68% from the free throw line last year. I, I, I didn't remember that being a story or something that we, we, we saw or, or saw continue for the entire season. I mean, he played 62 games. So the fact that he shot 68% for the entire season, it never really got any better. In fact, it got worse as the season went on when he went to New Orleans. It's just one of those weird phenomenons. Like, I think we've seen um, Anthony Davis's free throw percentage just completely change. We've seen Russell Westbrook's uh, free throw percentage change. Is CJ McCollum the next guy to do this? So he's a really weird one. I, I'm projecting no. I think it will come back up at least into the mid to high 70s, but it is something worth monitoring. So I'm optimistic that if the usage comes down, so he, he loses some points in threes, but maybe the free throw percentage then comes back up. That might help his value kind of stay where it was. So last year, he was the 56th ranked player. I'd probably want to take him closer to 60. But again, the points, the threes, his assists were much better last year. He'll probably be the starting point guard on this New Orleans team. So I think those assists can stay at the five plus per game. Um, 
there's just yeah that free throw percentage is really weird, and I wonder if he's going to be the latest victim to uh, just random free throw percentage falling off a cliff syndrome that has uh, been taking the the NBA the last little while. So yeah, very interesting one for me. I didn't expect to see that when I was doing my research. Um, and then a couple of young guys, Devin Vassell, Jalen Green. I'm more keen on Devin Vassell than Jalen Green just because I like what he does a bit more than Jalen Green. I think Vassell is someone who you don't need the huge usage to get good value. Um, he's got the steals that could come up to one and a half per game. He's good at threes. He's um, a decent rebounder for his position. You've got that big opportunity with um, DeJounte Murray no longer there. Uh, I think he's going to be the biggest beneficiary um, along with Keldon Johnson. Although, again... I, I prefer Vassell just because he doesn't need that, that huge usage to be valued. The turnovers are really low. Percentages are nice uh, in terms of free throws. Field goal percentage drags his value down a little bit, but you punt that category and he's he's up a fair way. So uh, I do really like me some Devin Vassell. Last year, he was the after the, the trade deadline, he was the 70th ranked player. I think that's pretty much his floor. Um, that's when... He was averaging 31 minutes per night. I reckon you can add another couple of minutes to that. So I think he's probably close to that 60 zone, and I'd be happy to draft him there or thereabouts, uh, especially if you're punting field goal percentage. I think he's got top 50 upside in that in that kind of a build. And then Jalen Green, big big point scorer. I think he, he has a chance at being really high. He, he could crack a top 40 value, but he also could be back at like 80 or 90. So he's a tough one for me. A lot of attention will go towards his um, second half of the year or post-All-Star breakout. In that time, he put up 21.5 points, uh, three threes, three and a half rebounds, three assists, um, 0.7 steals, 0.4 blocks. He shot 47.7%, which was a massive increase on his other season numbers. I don't know if he can do that for the entire season, so maybe he's closer to a 45-46% shooter. The free throws were still low at 30, uh, 73%. They actually got worse the second half of the year. So if that free throw percentage stays below 80% on high volume, it could be it could be trouble. Um, the steals and blocks lacking is a bit of an issue. I don't know how much room the assists have to grow. Maybe he can get to three and a half assists, but I don't see him being like a five assist or four and a half assist kind of guy. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. is still there. Shangun's going to be taking a lot of the playmaking opportunity for the Rockers. So I think he can get close to like a 23 per night or a 22 per night scorer. Um, the field goal percentage will be mid 40s. So he, he's he'll be okay, but it's just the lack of other stats that gets me really excited. But I am willing to take a punt on him in sort of like the mid 60s, um, close to pick 70, which is about where he's going. On Yahoo, is ranked at 70, which I think is fine. I think that's about where I'd want to have him. I might go a little bit earlier, um, especially if I see a good showing from him in the in the preseason. But yeah, especially if you're looking for those points, which are hard to find. So that's where I've got Jalen Green in Tier 7. Um, tier 8 here, I've got another single player in this tier, and that is Clay Thompson. Again, we kind of know what we're going to get from Clay. It was very encouraging to see him come back last season and be the 61st ranked player. Uh, didn't expect that. I thought he would be a little bit further down, but 20 points per night. You're going to get three and a half um, threes. I expect pretty much a similar kind of thing. His field goal percentage was down. The usage was up. I can't expect that to drop, but the field goal percentage might increase, so it's kind of like a net neutral there. Uh, low turnovers. He gets you half a block. Steals are pretty bad. The assists aren't super high, but 20 points and elite threes, 
elite free throw percentage is always very nice. Low turnovers. So, um, yeah, I think he's, you know, I'm, the restings and things like that, he's age 33. He'll be, tu- he'll be turning 33 this season. So I deduct him a little bit down from his 61st ranking last year. Again, with those threes guys, like I said, with Desmond Bain, I just bring them down the board a little bit more because I can find those threes later in the draft. So around the 70 sort of spot, 75 spot for me is about where I'd be where I'd be wanting to take Clay in, uh, in nine-category leagues. So he's on a tier on his own. Tier nine, we've got two players. We've got Gary Trent Jr. And we've got Colin Sexton. So Colin Sexton after the trade, and he's moved over to Utah. Um, let's talk Gary Trent. He's someone that is a hard one for me to, uh, to project because of those steals last year. How much of that is real? How much can we expect that this season? He doubled his steal rate last year. I think he went from one steal to, or 0.9 steals to, to one point, uh, what do you get? 1.8 steals per game, which is a massive, massive increase that catapulted him up the rankings. So I think he's more of like a 1.4 steals per game, 1.5 maybe. So somewhere in the middle between the two. Um, Josh Lloyd was saying that he's been talking to a few guys from Raptors people saying that there is even a risk of him moving to the bench if they wanted to play a bit more of a traditional center. I don't know if that will affect his overall minutes outpoint, uh, output because I still think they really need his floor spacing when you've got Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes and a traditional center out there. There's not much spacing out there. Sure, Freddie Van Vliet can shoot, OG can shoot. Um, that's fine, but I still think you need a little bit more spacing than that. So I still think he should get minutes at least in the mid-30s. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. It is just the fact that, yeah, his steals are very volatile. He doesn't produce many rebounds. He Zero blocks. The field goal percentage sucks. The rate, the ranking is boosted by his low turnovers. So I think he's, he's fine to take in that like 75 to 85 kind of range. Um, but if he doesn't give you the stats you need, he is someone that you could just fade a little bit. Um, and again, it, threes is a big reason he's valuable. The points are decent. I think he maybe loses a little bit of points as they focus a bit more on Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam as their kind of like main offensive weapons, OG. But I still think he'll be he'll be solid enough. I'm not expecting him to fall off a cliff where he was two seasons ago, but I'm definitely not expecting him to repeat uh, top 50 numbers, which he did last season. Because, yeah, I think, like Josh Lloyd said, it is a bit of a fake top 50 with those turnovers and, and those elite steals, which I don't think you can pencil in again to, to repeat. And then, um, and then Colin Sexton. Um, he's obviously a big point scorer. I think... Um, He's had seasons in the past where he's scored like 25 points a night and still been ranked outside the top 100. That's the concern with him. He, he lacks in the, the other categories, the steals, the blocks at zero, the rebounds are poor. He's a low three-point shooter in terms of volume as well. Um, the free throw percentage dropped down a little bit last season, so there's no guarantee that number comes back up again. I think you take him in the 80s, is where I'm comfortable taking him if you need that points because it is hard to get a guy who's scoring like that. He's going to be a tw- like 22 to 25 point per night scorer. Uh, I feel comfortable in saying that. He is still only 24. 
I don't think that they're going to shut him down necessarily because he's not the biggest contributor to winning basketball. So that's that's a nice thing uh, on a tanking Utah team. Um, right now he's ranked at 131 on Yahoo, but I think that will change very soon as uh, Yahoo gets their act together. So right now he's a bit of a steal, but I think that that will change. And he might even be someone who becomes a bit overvalued just because of how people view points and points leagues and things like that. So he is nice. I'd definitely take him in the top 100. Um, but again, he's really points, maybe a little bit of assists, a little bit of threes, and that's about it. it scores efficiently-ish. Um, so there's there's use in that, but he's not a super high upside um, guy just because of the other things he does. is not not the best. So that's where I have Colin Sexton. Tier 8. We've got a group of group of guys here, which I think are all similar kind of value. Um, Tyler Hero, Anthony Simons, and Jordan Poole. So Tyler Hero I like. I think we're going to see more of the same from him last year. There's been some rumors that he might even start um, uh, this season in, instead of someone like maybe uh, a Kyle Lowry or, or Gabe Vincent or, or uh, Max Struess or someone like that. So... Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's kind of net neutral because he'll still get his. They, he's one of their main go-to guys on offense with he, Jimmy Butler, and Bam. I think are their big three offensive weapons. Um, maybe the assists get hurt if he moves into the starting lineup if Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry are doing more of that role. But again, I think they'll stagger their minutes enough that it it won't change too much. But obviously, the poor defensive stats limit his value the most. But I, I still think you're going to see very much of the same thing. And um, you can always punt some of those categories and it boosts his ranking up a, a fair bit. So I do really like me some um, Tyler Hero. And I could actually move him up to the next tier, to be honest, if I'm... Thinking about it again, um, the next couple guys, Anthony Simons and Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is a guy that I'm worried about. I said it before in our bus show. I'm worried about him and how he fits into the Golden State Warriors with uh, Clay and Steph both healthy. I've, the stat that I keep referencing is that he played 15 games last season with both of those guys healthy. At the start of the season, Clay was out. At the end of the season, um, Steph was out. It was a period in the middle where he was basically nearly droppable in 12-team leagues because he was only putting up like 14.5 points, 3.5. Um, the, the free throw percentage was nice, but there was lack of steals there. It wasn't, it wasn't very good. Uh, I think he'll be better than that, but I don't see the top 70, top 60 upside, which I've seen people drafting him at. At 63 on Yahoo, I think it's too high. I've got him closer to big 90. Um, I still take him in the top 100, but I think that there's definitely a risk that he is a bust potential this season. Um, I, I like him. I think he's a really good player. There might be a chance that he's better than Clay Thompson, at least on the offensive side of the court. Um, he's a really nice offensive player, but the defensive concerns maybe limits his minutes a little bit more than we'd like. And yeah, just the room of fitting him, Clay, Steph on the same team when they're all healthy, it, it just worries me a little bit. And Anthony Simons, I've got a very similar kind of player, and he seems to be going a lot later. So on Yahoo, 102, I think there's a little bit of value there. Uh, I'd, I'd take him in the 90s. Um, we're worried about Damian Lillard coming back, so obviously he's not going to repeat what he did. So second half of the year after CJ left and Lillard was injured, he was a top 75 player. Um, if you punted the field goal percentage, he's top 50. Um 
I don't expect that kind of a ceiling, but I do think that he's a pretty safe top 100 guy. Um, and especially if you're punting the field goal, if you're punting the blocks, he can be he can be a top 65, 70 guy in that kind of a build. So um, great threes, um, decent points. The assist should be decent. Um, you know, poor rebounds, steals, and blocks. Yeah, that's cool. But but the percentages will be pretty nice. Low turnovers, I think, for for what he can do. So I, I do still like me some Anthony Simons and. Um, yeah, I'd probably I'd feel safer taking him over Poole just because I don't think there's anything really threatening his role in the team uh, at the moment. So I think he's a pretty locked-in starter on that roster. So let's go on to tier nine. We're getting close to pick one hundred now. These guys are all around that kind of kind of range. I've got Buddy Heald, Herb Jones. Sadiq Bay and Bogdan Bogdanovich. I've got a little asterisk next to Bogdan Bogdanovich just because this is where I have him when he's healthy. There is questions about him being available at the start of the season. If that changes, like with the Lonzo situation, I will change this ranking. And if you go to uh, ballboysnba.com um, and sign up to the season guide, you'll see where I update and put him if that news does change. But I have seen some things to say that he will be available to start training camp and to start the season. So, that's where I'm putting him for now. Um, yes, DeJounte Murray's coming over, but he was a top 70 guy last season, so I feel comfortable getting him close to pick 100. I still think he's going to be the main dude off the bench, so I do like me some Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, Buddy Heald, if I knew that Buddy was staying in Indiana and it was going to start there, he'd be a bit higher and probably in that next tier above him, but there is a, I think there's a decent chance he's traded this season, and the assists, whilst they were really good, he put up, what did he do? He put up nearly five assists per game in, in uh, Indiana. And that was just completely out of nowhere. Like, that was super random. Um, I don't know if he can replicate that. It's nice to know that he can do it. Um, it gives me a little bit more of an upside for him. In Indiana, he was the 66th ranked player after the, after the trade deadline. So there is a bit of upside, but I do also think there's a bit of downside. So I'm hedging my bets a little bit here with this ranking and this, this spot with him. Um, but yeah, and again, the threes is his big drawing card. It's elite. It's really good. Nearly four per game after the All-Star break. Um, sorry, in, in a per 36, over three per game after the All-Star break. It's really nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a category you can stream a bit easier than the others. So I drop him down my rankings for that kind of reason. Um, similar story with Sadiq Bey. Uh, punt field goal percentage, he gets a big boost. He's really poor in that category, so that's fine. But again, points in threes and not a whole lot else. Um, so again... Um, not super exciting. Herb Jones, again, is a bit of a specialist in steals. I still think he starts. I still think he gets his 30 minutes with Zion coming back. They need his defense. I think he's, um, you know, he's going to improve, improve a little bit year two, but he is already 24 years old. So he's not a super young. He was a rookie last year, but he's not super young. Um, so I don't really see like a heap of improvement last year uh, from last year's numbers. And again, the steals... You can see him going from 1.7 to 1.5, which is still good, but that will drop him 20 or 30 spots um, just because it, it's where all of his value is. And uh, like uh, Josh said on the other show the other day, it is it is a very volatile category. So you don't want to put all your eggs in that basket when ranking these kind of players. So close to pick 100. If you need seals, he's fine. He's a good player to get. And um, yeah, no, no worries about that. All right, m- moving on to tier 10. This is where we're getting outside... Pick 110. Um, we're getting closer to nearly going on with some flyers, guys. These guys, I really do like. There's some fun upside with these three players. I've got Jalen Suggs, 
Bones Highland and DeAnthony Melton in this tier. So I do like a lot of these guys, a few of the my guys here. Um, Suggs, I'm pretty keen on this season. I think that we could see a massive improvement from him. He reminds me of a um, Derek White type player. Someone who's really good at defense, someone who can get some good assists. Uh, I think he, he could be a decent rebounder for a point guard as well. Um, the field goal percentage was atrocious last year, 36%, massive drain. The free throw percentage was also pretty ordinary, and the turnovers were terrible. Those three things just destroyed his 9-cat ranking. Um, so... Yes, he was a 299th ranked player last season. You punt the field goal percentage, he was 159th. Okay, so you get much closer already to, to around his 110 spot. So I think that's like his floor. And then if he if he gets to, you know, 40, 41%, 42%, you can see that ranking go a lot higher. Um, I think that he's going to score more points. He's going to play more minutes this season. I do like the fact that Parlo is going to be the main draw card that defenses are going to focus on. So that, I think that will help Suggs a lot. Um, and I think he, he will benefit from not having to do so much uh, on offense because I don't think that was ever really his um, dominant go-to card. He's an excellent defender. He's a decent offensive player. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I'm expecting big things from Suggs this year and I do like taking him uh, with sort of like my 10th pick in uh, in fantasy drafts. Uh, Bones Highland and De'Anthony Melton are sort of similar-ish players in the fact that I think both of them are going to be like the sixth man come off the bench for their teams. Both of them are great permanent producers. Uh, maybe a little bit more confident in Bones Highland just because I think the Nuggets maybe are going to give him a bit more minutes than, than Philly will do with Melton. Um, you know, you're backing up Jamal Murray and, and KCP, Instead of um, Tyrese Halliburton and James Harden, it's a little bit easier to crack into. I like his fit next to Jokic with his ability to shoot the ball. Um, I just think he's he's a really fun young player. 22 years old. After the All-Star break, he was the 134th ranked player last year in 21 minutes a night. Um, great percentages. Steals were getting up there. Nearly a steal in 20 minutes is nice. Um 2.23s in 21 minutes is nice. 12.5 points in 21 minutes is nice. So even in like minutes in the mid-20s, he could he could crack that value. And and if he gets anything more than that, he's he could be a top 100, top 90 player. So I do like me some uh, Bones Highland. And if they are taking it cautious on Jamal Murray early in the season, he will be a big beneficiary of that. So um, yeah, like me some Bones Highland. And De'Anthony Melton, again, he's a, he's a per-minute beast. He was the 114th ranked player last year in 23 minutes a night. So that's almost his worst case scenario. You take him around that spot and it's only really upside from there. And he could, if there's an injury to James Harden, he does his hamstring or something like that. Or if they do play some smaller ball lineups and they put um, PJ Washington, sorry, uh, PJ Tucker to the bench or they put Tobias Harris a bit more to the bench or they, they play a smaller, tighter rotation, he gets 25, 26 minutes a night then you're looking at a top 100, top 90 guy as well. So I like all those guys in that range. Is a good upside. The floor is pretty good because they're good permanent producers, even if they're not playing huge minutes. So, yeah, I like the boys in this in this range of the draft. Tier 11 is where I start to lose a bit of enthusiasm now. So Norman Powell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Brogdon, good assists upside, but they both got the issues. Spencer Dinwiddie with his percentages and lack of steals and blocks. Turnovers are high, but he's fine. Good points, threes, and assists if you're willing to 
I'd want to be punting the field goal percentage with Spencer, but it also works on a punt free throw team if you've got really good field goal percentage to take that in stride. Um, so he gets a slight boost with the loss of Jalen Brunson, um, but he's never been the best fantasy kind of guy. Norman Powell, I'm worried about the return of Kawhi and Paul George and where he sits. He could be coming off the bench. He should still be a decent contributor in points and threes, but he, he's he got a bit of bust potential. I'm not too psyched about Norm Powell. And Malcolm Brogdon, I've said it before, I think he's off the bench for Boston. Um, he should still be a good assist guy. He might get you some good um, uh, threes, but not a whole lot else. The free throw percentage is really nice as well, but again, he's not going to have the volume to really change too much. So kind of just a back-end assist, last-ditch effort for me. And then the final tier here, Tier 12, just got a bunch of flyers down the, the end of the draft. Uh, Chris Duarte, Jordan Clarkson, Jaden Ivey, Benedict Matherin, Emmanuel Quickly, Josh Primo, Gary Payton II, and Quinton Grimes. These guys, you just kind of last pick or last two picks, you take a flyer on them. Um, the guys I like the most, I think Chris Duarte is the safest, but maybe his upside is not as high. If everything goes right, Jaden Ivey could be something. I fear that he's going to be like Suggs and Jalen Green to start the season last year where he's kind of outside the top 200, top 300 players because he's got really poor turnovers, poor free throws, poor field goal percentage. There's not an elite assist rate there. He's playing next to Cade, who's the man. So whilst he might have the highest ceiling, I'm not super keen on it. Benedict Matherin might be the pick of the bunch here because I think he is going to get a lot of minutes the issue is that his fantasy game is not that exciting. Points and threes, that's kind of it. Maybe he gets some assists. Maybe he gets a decent amount of rebounds. Maybe he can get over a steal a game. Um, so maybe he's the the highest merge of upside, and but also feeling confident that he can reach it in this group. So he might be the pick out of these guys. But again, all of them, you're just kind of taking a swing. I'm not super confident in any of them, but... They're, they're not the worst last-round pick for me to take. So that's why they're in this final tier here, guys. So let us know what you think about the tiers for the shooting guards. Um, give the video a bit of a thumbs up and let us know in the comments if you have anyone else um, that, you, that you think I missed out. Um, some of these guys will be on the small forwards or the point guard tiers if you haven't seen them. Check out uh, ballboysnba.com if you want more rankings, more content, $10 for the whole season. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Laters. Laters.